the 360 on Energy and Carbon podcast, hosted by 360 Energy. Bob Willard is a leading expert on quantifying and selling the business value of corporate sustainability strategies. He has given over 1,500 sustainability-related presentations to corporate, government, higher education, and NGO audiences. His six books, master slide decks, and a dozen free open-source Excel tools and videos provide essential capacity-building resources for sustainability champions. He was inducted into the International Society of Sustainability Professionals Hall of Fame in 2011, received Clean 50 awards in 2015 and 2017, earned Best for World Overall awards for certified B Corps in 2013, 2014, and 2017 was the first company to reach the highest diamond tier of Canada's Net Zero Challenge in 2023. Now let's get into the episode with Bob. Welcome back, Bob, Dave, and John. Good to be back. Yeah, likewise. Yes, as well. And there was no overlap. That is, that's a fantastic piece right there. Great work. On today's episode, we will be talking about the procurement and supply chain collaboration. And Dave will be kicking us off with our questions this week. So, Bob, again, thank you for being with us. And our first podcast with you was enlightening, I know, for our uh, listeners. And and I'm, I'm confident this will be just as good, if not even better. So let me talk about clients when we're dealing with them in the energy slash sustainability side. They tend to be siloed. You know, we end up dealing with maybe engineering or we deal with sustainability people. From time to time, we might deal with procurement, maybe on the energy procurement side. But when we're dealing with carbon, it's really rare that you're dealing with procurement. That's starting to open up. And so my question to you, because they are instrumental in this whole idea of managing carbon on behalf of their organizations they work with, what are the driving forces of procurement that you can share with our listeners so everyone understands what their role is and how they play a role in this whole carbon side and supply chain. Yeah, especially what's driving sustainable procurement as opposed to normal procurement. The usual forces are there for for normal procurement, which is there's a need for the organization to have access to products that they don't already have, so they need to go out and get them. So that's the normal driving force behind procurement. There are some concerns these days about the sustainability attributes of not only the goods and services that the organization is, is starting to acquire, but also of the suppliers themselves and how they treat their own employees, what the jurisdiction that they're operating in requires them to, to do in terms of workplace safety, workplace treatment of their employees and so on. So there are hotspots that are popping up in supply chains that companies need to be more careful about and be more accountable for, which is adding quite a different dynamic. So previously, procurement just wanted to make sure that they had dependable supply chains, resilient supply chains, and that they were able to get whatever they needed. It's becoming clear now that there are a number of other factors that the procurement people need to be taking into a, into account, and that's causing them to look at a little bit more holistic picture of not only the the quality and the price of the things that they're acquiring, but where they're coming from, 
the conditions under which they were produced, the reliability of the transportation routes to and from the supplier, and how the company itself is being a good corporate citizen. So the name for all of that is called sustainable procurement. And it's making sure that the company is getting the most sustainable goods and services from the most sustainable suppliers. And that is suppliers who are having the least harmful impacts on the environment, their people and the community, and hopefully actually having beneficial impacts on the environment, their people and the community. So procurement is starting to ask more pointed questions about all of that and assigning points or weight when they're doing the bid appraisal to those kinds of factors, whereas before they were never part of the decision. Can I sort of take us on from that a bit? You know, I think some of us on this podcast have been around the block a little bit. And in the past, I, I always felt that the, the key performance indicator, if you like, of a procurement department was they could get it cheaper than you could. And it seemed to be very much a, a cost-driven exercise and that might well have been a kpi for, for the head of procurement of how much money had he or she saved the company by the procurement process and that's a an old school model of it but how does that now change with, with net zero coming along yeah best price has always been the mantra of procurement people and they were very often held accountable for making sure they were getting the best price and negotiating the best deal in the contract. It's still important, still important, the price is important, but now that's morphed into best value as, a best, as opposed to best price. Price right. is part of that, but there are other things that you want to make sure that you are benefiting from, and that is making sure that the reputation of your suppliers is aligned with the purpose of your own company and the values of your own company, and that you're not going to be embarrassed if there's a headline in your local paper that says you just bought this kind of stuff from these shysters in some other country that's using slave labor to produce them. I mean, that would not be good. So mm -hmm. the attributes of not only the goods and services, but of the suppliers are becoming more important. And that means that we need to have some sort of rating and ranking of how sustainable your, these organizations are. And we're getting better at being able to ask more consistent, comparable questions as to how they are. I've got a couple of free tools that help organizations self-assess how they're doing on the environmental side, the treatment of their own people, the treatment of the community, and so on, so that they can disclose that to, to buyers, customers, if they are being asked that question. And we're, we're getting better at, at metrics that are trackable and verifiable and representative of the kinds of impacts that companies want to make darn sure their suppliers are paying attention to. Yeah, thank you. Yes, it, it, I think procurement is like every other function in the company. It, it, it has to change over time, doesn't it? And the, the problem is from time to time, we, we get people entrenched who aren't yet ready to, to embrace perhaps newer ways of working. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of the, a lot of the procurement people have spent years perfecting their system. You know, yeah. if we come along and we say, well, you should be doing it this way, that's not necessarily going to be received with open arms. So a lot so, of our yeah. challenge is, is to help them understand we're not in any way saying that the way in which they've been doing things in the past was wrong or should be thrown out. 
what we want to do is layer on top of that some additional specifications for products, not only the quality and the price of them, but other attributes of them, in addition to the ones that they're already asking about. So don't stop asking those, those good questions about the products and services, but add, the, add these additional questions, specifications to the products and services, as well as you always wanted to know how long your suppliers have been in business, where they're operating, a little bit more about the company as well. Now what we're saying is we'd also like to know how sustainable you are. So would you please give us a sense of how you're treating the environment, your people and, and the community. There are different metrics by which they can make those assessments, but the procurement people are, are starting to get better at asking those pointed questions. So the federal government of Canada, for example, is into green procurement. They use the word green the way I use the word sustainable. So they're, they're looking for procuring the most environmentally friendly products from suppliers that are paying attention to their, their environmental footprints. And going beyond that as well, on the social side as well, and paying attention to social enterprises and giving them a special break as well. So there are a whole bunch of factors involved. But the key thing is that these procurement people have invested enormous amount of energy into getting all of these processes together. And some of them are pretty complicated. I mean, you get a government like Government of Canada, they got hundreds of people in this function, all of whom are very, very specialized, very, very good at this piece of the action that they're responsible for. So the challenge when we come along and say, would you please do sustainable procurement is getting them comfortable with what this means to their current process. And I think it's really important that we position this as an add-on as opposed to a takeaway from their existing or a replacement for their existing approach. If, if we position it as, a, as too big a deal, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And we can't wait. We need to get on with this. And I think it's really important that we are smarter about packaging this in a way that makes it a, a plug-in or an add-on to existing processes. Thank you. How much power influence does the procurement group have on sustainability in, the, in their supply chain? More than they think they do. Procurement historically has been very, very good at executing what other people tell them to do. So if the user department says, I need this, this, and this, go get it. They're going to go out and try to get the best deal from wherever they can source those things. And they're really good at that. The, the challenge is to be able to get them to be a little bit more proactive on the specifications that are being asked for and to have them given the authority, the right to ask those questions. So who is it that's causing them to ask about the sustainability of the products and of the suppliers? Is the user department asking them? Maybe, maybe not. Who is it that's asking them to ask those questions? And very often it needs to come from fairly high up in the organization. And that usually means the C-suite somewhere, the CEO, the CFO, or in a large organization that have a sustainability department, they can be very, very help helpful as well. So a lot of the work that some of us are doing right now is trying to help the sustainability professionals in an organization partner with the procurement people 
and help them ask the right questions and interpret the answers. So there's an effort that I'm, I'm involved with right now with Canadian Business for Social Responsibility, which is called the Sustainable Purchasing Fellowship, where we're trying to help sustainability professionals in large organizations get better at working with the procurement people on these kinds of issues to, to supplement their knowledge and their expertise with this sustainability component. I, I'm, I, I'm in total agreement to actually make this happen. The, the C-suite or the board have to sort of mandate it. Because, you know, prior to this podcast, we were discussing how some leadership now is talking that this net zero by 2050 is actually a hindrance because they're not going to be there. So like, I, I, why do I have to worry about that? And so I think we need to make sure that this whole influence is significantly layered in from a senior level. And, and, and by the way, Bob, I would love to see executives compensation being impacted by them doing it or being successful in, in doing it or not doing it as well. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Executive compensation is magic. If you can have a, a hook between what you're trying to get the company to do and the way in which the executives pay or compensation is linked to their success and being able to accomplish those kinds of targets, magic happens. So one of the things that I encourage in the contracting part of the of the communication with a supplier. So if the supplier goes through the bid, the bids are appraised, then there's a winner, and then you have a contract with the winner. So whoever earns the 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 right to supply the goods and services, there's a contract. And part of the contract can have terms and conditions that say, by the way, you know how you were you said you were going to reduce your greenhouse gases when we asked you how you were doing on reducing your greenhouse gases? In the contract, we're going to say that your executive, we would like you to make sure your executive is paid on whether or not you do that. It's in the contract. Wow. So I, it, I am a big, big fan of linking compensation to the achievement of whatever you think is appropriate for an organization to pay attention to. When I, when I was in IBM, if we wanted to get stuff changed in a hurry in the marketing force or any part of the company, we changed the compensation plan for those people. I'll tell you, things change on a dime. We talk about the culture of an organization. You could, it doesn't take seven years to change the culture, which was the rule of thumb we always used. It would take about six months. Just change the compensation plan, magic happens. So I totally agree, David. The, the lever that that brings to the efforts that we're trying to, to undertake is phenomenal. And if I could only do one thing to make stuff happen, I would change the executive compensation plan because it trickles down. Just start at the top. Just say your compensation is based on the achievement of this, this, and this. And believe me, all of a sudden, everybody's going to think it's important. Money talks. Surprise. Yeah. It's called capitalism. Yeah, well, of course, we could go to the former Soviet Union's command and control form of economy, but look how that worked out. My question, I think, is we've answered some of it, and possibly Dave's next question is going to touch on it. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to slightly rephrase what I was going to ask, and that is how effective can be addressing your supply chain 
how effective can that be in reducing your organizational carbon footprint? Well, the, the numbers associated with those kinds of emissions are quite staggering. The, the, the percent of your greenhouse gas emissions that are attributed to your scope three or your supply chain are usually at least as big as or sometimes, in fact, there was a study that said they're 11.4 times bigger than your other emissions, your scope one and your scope two emissions. So they're very, very large, depending on the kind of, of, of business you're in, whether it's retail or whether it's manufacturing, of course, that's going to vary. But the supply chain emissions are very, very significant and certainly deserving of attention, but not to the exclusion of your own emissions, because your own emissions are going to be important to your customers. Yes. So yeah. usually a, a company is in a sandwich. They are a supplier to another customer, and they also have suppliers that provide them with goods and services. So their scope three emissions are other people's scope one emissions and so on. So there's a lot of that kind yeah. of mutual interest in being able to get this stuff under control. Thank you. Well, this is, we've talked in, in some big ways about this, this net zero, but can you share with our listeners, like what strategy would you have to implement a net zero procurement throughout an industry in a timely manner? And, and, and I know every industry is different, by the way, but could you suggest or recommend from your, all the research and work you've done, sort of how you would implement this based on your your knowledge and expertise. Yeah, it, it sounds like a daunting task. And at first I thought it was, but I don't think it's as hard as we thought it was. So I, I've put together something that I call a, a toolkit. There's a sustainable procurement toolkit and there's a net zero procurement toolkit, which is a subset of that. And basically it's got four things. And one of them is the kinds of specifications you should be asking about. So if you're not sure what these so-called sustainability-related attributes are or specifications are, here's the list. It's not, it's not, it's only about a dozen things. You should be asking about energy efficiency, water efficiency, the sourcing of, of, of the materials that went into it and so on. So you're not using blood diamonds and not all that kind of stuff. So there, there are a number of things. A lot of them have to do with circularity, making sure that the recycled content of whatever it is you're purchasing is, is as high as possible, et cetera. So we know what those things are. And what the toolkit has is it says, you need a specification on this, 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 and this. And if if some of them aren't appropriate for the thing that you're, you're acquiring, then don't worry about it, work on the others. So choose whichever from this list are appropriate for what you're, what you're acquiring. So that's the attributes of the goods and services. The second piece is how you figure out either how sustainable your, your supplier is as an organization, how they are impacting the environment, their people in the community, or if you want to subset that, how they're doing on reducing their greenhouse gases, if that's what you want to start with. So, and we know the questions to ask. In fact, I've got free open source tools that ask those questions. So they can self-assess how they're doing on sustainability in general, or on reducing their greenhouse gases down to net zero. There are 20 multiple choice questions for the whole ball of wax. 
and there are five for the greenhouse gas reduction questions. So we know what those questions are. They're based on all of the other questions that are out there, but I've designed these things so that they're appropriate for small and medium-sized enterprises that don't have a whole lot of expertise and we need to keep it simple, but thorough. So we've got the specifications we should be asking for on the products. We have this, the kinds of questions we should be asking about the supplier as well. So those are the two things. Then when we're appraising the bids, where you make sure there's a lot of weight associated with those criteria. So how many points are associated with the sustainability attributes of the goods and services and the sustainability attributes of the supplier? I'm su suggesting 10 to 30% of the points should be associated with each of those. So we make it matter. Not only ask the questions, we make it matter. And we make it darn clear that this matters to the customer. And if it matters to the customer, it sure as heck matters to the supplier. So we put the bid appraisal in, in place and there's a template, a suggested template on how to do that. And that's the third part of the, the toolkit. And then the fourth one is terms and conditions that you can slip into the, the contract with the winning supplier that will make darn sure that they do whatever they said they were going to do in those questionnaires. So it's a combination of specifications for the product, specifications for the supplier, a bid appraisal template, and sample terms and conditions. It's a package, and it's not hard. All of those things can be layered on top of existing approaches that are already in the procurement stuff. So what we need to be able to do is to package this up so that the federal government of Canada, the provinces and territories in Canada, and the municipalities in Canada can all do the same thing, ask their suppliers all the same questions, make sure they're looking for all of the same kinds of things in their products and services, and we'll have a fighting chance of being able to get some consistency and momentum building on the kind of economy that, that we need. And let's suppose we do perfect that in Canada. Let's, let's take the, the greenhouse gas part, the net, the net zero procurement. Then we can take that and we can clone it in other jurisdictions. So every year, as you know, the Conference of the Parties, COP, COP27 just happened, where all of the members of the UN get together and they, they bring their pledges about how they're going to do something about climate change. What I'm suggesting is that all of them sign up to implement net zero procurement, all of them. And is that going to be hard? Nope, because we've packaged it. We know exactly how to, how to do that. So just do it. And I think within five years, we could have every jurisdiction on the planet using net zero procurement, packaged, consistent, very simple, very, very simple. And we have a fighting chance of being able to get to where we need to get to by 2030 and 2050, of course, as well. So do we know how to do this? Absolutely. The question is will to do it. And if we get big governments starting to do this, it'll ripple into the private sector as well, because they'll all be under the same kind of pressure that the governments are, and we can make this happen. So how do we make it happen? Keep it simple, but get on with it and do it. So right now, I'm working pretty aggressively with the feds to see if we can figure out how to do this at the federal level with the intent to package it and, and roll it out. We can do it. We know how to do it and it'll work. It's just a question of the will, as we talked about before, John, 
the will as well as the data are the, the two things that we need. All right. To end off this episode, Bob, what is the biggest takeaway for our listeners? I think it's the doability of this. People think that this is really complicated, that it's a big, big deal, and they portray sustainable procurement or net zero procurement as a very daunting task to be able to, to implement. And some parts of it, we're still not where we need to be yet. But the rest of it, the other 90% of it, we can get on with. And I think the biggest takeaway is that we know how to do it, we can do it, and that the time is very, very right for us to get on with it. The sense of urgency just keeps going up daily in my mind around climate change. The signals are pretty clear. We just need more people, more organizations to take appropriate action and do what needs to be done. And if they do, we can pull this off. Thanks for that, Bob. Dave, what's your biggest takeaway? As Bob's talking and he's saying this isn't that difficult, I think John and I must have flashbacks because that's what we tell our clients all the time on the energy front. And they it really comes down to the will, but also the literacy, the literacy and senior management buy-in and understanding how, how impactful it will have on their business. Because I don't think they actually truly understand or measure the impact it has on their business. So uh, there's a lot of synergies as frequently we have with speakers. And, and Bob, I, I love your point in summarizing that you already have a framework. You've developed it. You actually have a grand plan for Canada to be a leader in this capacity. So we're going to do everything we can to help promote that thought process for you. So thank you for sharing. That. And John, you. what's your, John, what's your biggest takeaway? Well, there's some pretty big things being said there. It's just a thing. You're the last one to say what your takeaway is. And you're going, oh, they've taken that. They've taken that. So I, I'm going to come just in a slightly different angle. And that is, I think organizations need to sit down and have a meaningful discussion about what best value means. Because I think that could be really powerful to uh, align thinking, you know, to understand it, redefine it. And I, I will just add, with what Bob's saying here, I've been involved in a, a sustainable procurement process with an organization here. And actually working with the procurement department and layering on some additional requirements is not as difficult as it seems to be. And the real bonus with the project I was involved in, six weeks after we did the work, it was presented to the board and the board went, well, why shouldn't we? and fully endorsed it. And it can be done. And going back to that, you know, the whole point about it, it's just a matter of changing a little bit how you work and a little bit of the procedures, and you can get something really powerful happening. Let me add one more thing to what John was just saying about best value. The other part that I, I should have mentioned before when you asked me that question, John, is mm. lowest risk. So it's not just yeah. lowest price, which is what they used to talk about, it's, it's best value and lowest risk. And, and the Fair risk point. is becoming more and more important these days, especially around the climate change topic. So best value and lowest risk are, are two attributes of a sustainable procurement approach, which are getting a little bit more traction. I think, I think that's a really good combination, isn't it? Yeah, best value, lowest risk. Right. It's always the thing if you're investing and they say, oh, you want big returns. What's your appetite for risk? Exactly. Well, I've got no appetite for risk and I want a large return. <laughs> now you're talking the executive language that they'll actually understand. Yeah. <laughs>
Very good. Well, thanks for a great episode on procurement and supply chain. Bob, Dave, and John, have a great week. It's been good. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it, Bob. That's all for today's episode of the 360 on Energy and Carbon podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on our website at 360energy.net and follow us on LinkedIn at 360 Energy Inc. Tune in to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, or other listening platforms by searching the 360 on Energy and Carbon. You can watch the video recording and subscribe on YouTube at 360 Energy Inc. Email us your feedback at podcast at 360energy.net or comment on our LinkedIn post. See you next week.